Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hapner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cuno. We are full into fall and we've been traveling still. Leslie's still traveling, but I also traveled. I would like that to be on the record that you were gone for I quite was. some time. I was gone for quite some time. And I was here holding it down. Yes, but you guys didn't record anything without me, so nobody no. knows. Well, I thought you about. Don't know. We may have done one. You that's don't true. Know. That's true, and well, I just didn't know. At one point, Timothy and you were both gone. I thought about just coming in here all by myself. <laughs> yeah, just a whole half hour of me. Yeah. Hey, that's happened to me before. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I went to a nonprofit innovation and optimization summit earlier. It's a long. It's called Neo for short, yeah. um, but it was really cool because um, I'm in digital marketing, and so it was really cool to learn from other organizations what they're doing, and it's all nonprofit, so it's everyone in our space, and that was really cool. So that was in Texas, and so it was really really hot there, which was nice. But then I went to Germany, so you know that's right. Went from one end of the world to the other, but it was great. That's good. And Timothy, where you have been putting a lot of miles in? Yeah, uh, I counted it up last night. I've been to fifteen airports this year. Oh my gosh! Me and Glacier have done over twenty thousand miles this year. The Earth's twenty four thousand. So uh, <laughs> yeah, and so Timothy, what are some like tips you'd give people? You know, when traveling with a guide dog, because I mean, fifteen airports with you and Glacier—that is a lot, and a lot of change. They're all different. Every airport is. I we I always say we get lucky at the Detroit airport because it's like pretty seamless. When I went to Germany, I was at that airport for forever. Um, so what are some tips that you give people when, you know, going to different airports? Well, expect the unexpected, like one tra- one travel time, we, uh, an hour flight took 14 hours. Oh, that's right. Which was a disaster. And always pack extra food for the dog just in case there's a layover. If there, you might, you know, in the wintertime, there's a chance you, the weather. You might, have, might as well have a couple extra days of dog food in your bag. And uh, just be patient be patient because this time of the year getting around the holidays it's going to be hectic of course so uh, how, that's my main one how do you find uh the park areas at the airports i google it when okay. i go there i i find out where they are before we arrive so i'll know how far we are from that gate and then we pray that Glacier uses it. <laughs> right. I know not all the dogs do. And not all of them are great. I know, I think there was an app at one point, too, that you could use yeah, at airport. I, it's called Where to Go, okay. but it no longer is on Apple. Oh, okay. So it's gone. Mm-hmm. So you just have to Google it. Just Google it. It's easy. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, thinking about being in an airport 14 hours by myself, but also having a dog or something, you know, to take care of, that's... You know, that extra added responsibility and things that you got to think of, I, especially when traveling. Have you ever traveled, you know, just with your cane instead of your guide dog because you knew something? Um, I'm interested to hear about that. Well, no, I haven't really traveled with just the cane anymore when I'm traveling abroad. <laughs> uh, the glacier's there. I'm sorry to say that, Leslie. Yeah, I know. I know. Leslie but, just uh, stuck her tongue out, so I'm that's sorry. why I giggled. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you you're would not be happy if I said, you're not going on this trip. You're right. And uh, she's got to go everywhere I do. And I, I guess having a dog, that takes, I don't want to say takes care of that, but uh, the dog goes first. There's Unless the dog is sick or, you know, 
not wanting to work that day, which we don't want that either. Of course. But mainly it's, it's, it's the dog if I'm doing the big travel. Yeah, that makes sense. And you always have your cane if you need it. Yes, I always have my cane right there in the diaper bag ready to go. That's fantastic. That's good. Well, I let's see, where have I been? I have been, I went to the National Industries for the Blind uh, conference in Arlington, Virginia. Also headed out to the National Council of State Agencies for the Blind conference in Savannah, Georgia. And then um, just recently, like very, very recently at the Florida AER conference in St. Petersburg, I think, Florida. Yeah, St. Yeah. Petersburg. I'm ready for Leslie to be like, there's a conference in Hawaii <laughs> that I'm going to be going to. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but it's been good. And, you know, it's hard to travel, though, as much as I love it. And I think what the important thing is, you, you know, we're really lucky with Leader Dog that they take that very seriously, right? Like continuing education is really important. It's really important that we stay on top of what's happening in the industry and technology and strategies and things like that. There's always something to learn. We're never, you know, um, well, we try to be the experts as best we can, but recognizing there's always more that we can learn from and take advantage of. So I certainly appreciate that about our organization. Um, But we need to jump into it uh, because we have a fantastic guest here today. Uh, Today's guest is not a leader dog client, volunteer, or team member, but works in the field of blindness and low vision and is a part of a partnering organization. Yes, Raul is an assistive technology trainer who resides in Houston, Texas. He is the president of the National Association of Guide Dog Users, also known as NAGDU, and is also active with the National Federation of the Blind of Texas. Good morning, Raul. It's great to have you on the podcast this morning. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself? Good morning, and first off, thank you for having me on. It is uh, certainly wonderful, and uh, hopefully I can share some travel tips as well. Um, So um, I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, and throughout my career, I have lived in Kansas City and in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and uh, for the last 10 years, I've lived in Houston, Texas. Uh, where um, I now consider it my my home. I've only considered Denver and Houston home, so that kind of <laughs> says a little bit about Kansas and Indiana. I, I liked there. I liked it there, but they were the places where I worked. <laughs> yeah. oh. um, so, yes, um, I am, uh, when, when I'm not doing volunteer work for the National Federation of the Blind and NAGDU, um, I am uh, training, uh, teaching technology. Both my wife and I have a small business, uh, that uh, we we own and run, and we are consultants and technology uh, trainers uh, throughout. The majority of it is throughout the Houston area, um, but we also venture out to other places, uh, East Texas, over toward uh, Nacogdoches, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, uh, over to uh, Beaumont and beyond, and then kind of a little bit of Southwest uh, toward. Um, you know, Corpus Christi and a little bit further out there toward the valley. And then um, we also, you know, work with uh, folks remotely. So we we work with people that are out of state or um, Texas is so big that, um, you know, it's got two time zones. So, you know, we'll work with people who are in different time zones, whether they're in Texas or not. That's awesome. So you guys are covering, you know, (laughs) wide area. Quite a bit. So obviously very, very busy with that. And so then you kind of volunteer in these other organizations. Do you mind telling us, you know, what is NAGDU? 
So NAGDU, um, you know, nationalists, I, I try to stay away from the alphabet soup, yeah. um, you know, too much with the acronyms, um, uh, uh, alphabet soup. So NAGDU, yes. National Association of Guide Dog Users is a division of the National Federation of the Blind, uh, NFB. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've, I've been its president uh, for NAGDU since 2020. And um, the division is... Um, part of the advocacy efforts that the NFB has uh, to help uh, educate and advocate uh, for the rights of guide dog users uh, throughout our country uh, in different areas, Uh, whether it's educating the guide dog users themselves, um, how to best advocate for themselves, or also with uh, educating businesses uh, or agencies on how they you know, should handle or how they should react or treat people who are guide dog handlers. Uh, we also, you know, work in those areas as well. Yeah, I noticed that the NAGDU is really involved in with all that's going with Uber and Lyft right now. And that's why it's great to have this organization around. That's our huge project. That's the thing that's most in focus right now is the rideshare, mm-hmm. uh, all the uh, issues uh, that people are facing with rideshare, and then also with uh, flying uh, when you mm-hmm. fly with your guide dog. And the um, the Department of Transportation, um, you know, they have their uh, attestation forms that may or may not be required by the airlines. Uh, you have to love that wording because. Um, like, like what Tim was saying earlier, be prepared for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know if the airline's going to require it or not. So, um, we're, we're trying to, um, make things better so that they're less stressful. Right. And then even with the airlines that do use them, it feels like everybody does, the process is slightly different for each airline. So I know we get a lot of phone calls about that. And of course, we're always happy to fill out that paperwork, but it is one more added step that you've got to do that is... Um, obviously challenging and a little bit frustrating sometimes. So we certainly appreciate all the efforts of NFB and NAGDU. Um, you guys are really big in, into advocacy, and we're happy to, to support those in any way that we can too. That's wonderful. And, you know, we, we're always looking um, forward to, you know, having good and positive relationships with all guide dog training programs, um, especially, you know, for our, our various different state conventions and our various different, um, you know, events that we have throughout the year, but especially, uh, especially our national convention, you know, we have our, you know, we typically will do our annual business meeting mm-hmm. and also um, a seminar. We usually will also hold a seminar. And so we are always looking forward to having as much participation as possible. Yeah. And I know some, a lot of times we hear, you know, from our clients that they do have these issues. So do you have any like tips that you would give them on, you know, what should they do if something happens in a ride share or at the airport? Are there steps they can take? Are there things that they can do? I would say probably the first thing to try and keep in mind is to stay calm and uh, calm, cool, and collected, right? Because not only will um, will that help to diffuse any sort of situation that could become tense, but also your dog feeds on your tension and your stress. And so if, if you're stressed and upset, your dog's going to be stressed and upset. So you want to keep that in mind and, you know, you want to try to have that best uh, team combination with you and your dog. And so, you know, travel's already stressful as it is. So when you, when you have to step out of that zone of just being, you know, a Joe citizen traveler and, and become a blind person advocacy educator uh, traveler, you know, that, that adds to the stress. Um, so that would be my, my number one tip. Um, number two, 
do things that are, you know, that might seem redundant, but, you know, if, if you have them there and it's a redundant thing, um, then that's, that's great. That means, you know, you, you, you expected the worst, um, hope for the best, but expect the worst. So for example, um, if an airline, uh, has the system in, in place where you, uh, ha- had to upload the attestation form to them or email it to them, have one with you anyway, just in case they lost it in their system or anything like that. You can let them know, hey, I gave this to you electronically. Um, you know, you may or may not have like a little traveler number. Some airlines will give you a, a, like a traveler number, you know, to show that your form is good for a year, et cetera. But not all of them do that. And so because it's inconsistent, um, I always recommend, you know, have a couple of forms that are already printed um, with you just in case, um, along with um, – what was already said earlier, have extra food. Something that I do is, um, you know, or I try to do, especially if it's going to be a longer trip, is if I pack my dog's food underneath and, you know, send it along with my regular suitcase underneath, I'll have some extra food with me in my carry-on just in case of unforeseen delays or your, your luggage gets lost or delayed or anything like that. In terms of uh, ride share, stay firm, know your rights. So, for example, if a driver starts to tell you about how, you know, their religion prevents them from taking people with dogs or, or their, their leather on their seat prevents them from doing so or, you know, or maybe you should have ordered pet, uh, you know, the pet option, or, you know, et cetera. Again, stay, stay cool and collected and just, you know, let them know, hey, you know, you have rights and I have rights. Um, you know, my, my right is that I can travel in a public vehicle with, with my dog. Um, you know, your right is, is that, uh, you have the right to, to take me as long as my dog is, is, uh, under control. You know, he's not getting in your, uh, personal space. He's not presenting a, a danger to your driving. So there's no problem. And, you know, sometimes explaining that, at least in my experience, sometimes, the more calm you stay and the more you explain, sometimes it helps to diffuse a potential denial and, you know, turn into a possible, you know, educating moment, you know, where the drivers uh, maybe didn't know or they weren't aware. Well, me being having the guide dog, I'm a member of NAGDU. And so why should somebody out there join NAGDU? First and foremost, we, you know, we, we get happy when we have bigger numbers in terms of membership. I mean, what, what organization doesn't? But all that aside, the reason I would, I'll, I'll, answer, I'll answer it that way, and then uh, people can apply it to their own you know, situation. One of the reasons why I am in this organization is, um, has to do with philosophy. So um, NAGDU has the philosophy of um, remaining uh, impartial. So, for example, we believe in informed choice. If a person is interested in in learning more about their rights and responsibilities as a guide dog handler and is interested in getting a dog and, you know, maybe wants some advice, um, NAGDU will give that advice um, impartially. So, you know, I have a dog from a certain training school. Someone else has a dog from a different training school. We can give pros and cons about each one. We can give, uh, we can help educate the person at how to make that that decision um, that's going to best fit their needs. You know, whether it's geographic needs, whether it's uh, dog breed um, preferences, whether it's, um, you know, does the school cover uh, medical expenses? Does the school offer ownership? There's a lot of questions that a lot of guide dog handlers may not be aware of, may not know that 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 can be asked or should be asked. So we help to educate that. Another reason why we become a member is the um, 
the family feel, the camaraderie of other like-minded people um, who have my back. So if I want to be treated like a first-class citizen, um, as a general rule, other members who are part of the organization may feel that way as well, and we can have a unified front. We can have that togetherness. Um, if an organization or if a, if a business uh, you know, says, hey, someone can't come in here with, with their dog, uh, we are not above getting together a group of guide dog users and going to that business to say, all right, here we are. Uh, we're going to um, you know, um, enjoy your, the offerings of your business and help educate you in the process. So we try to kill them with kindness in that way before we try to um, you know, get, get a little more uh, firm with our advocacy efforts. I think that is such an important part of what you guys do and remaining impartial and sharing just knowledge. And you guys have that nice little one-stop shop, like you were mentioning about all the guide dog organizations. It's kind of like a table of who has what and, you know, several different topics and kind of talks about what each each organization has or does not have. And I know we get those calls once a year to update our information, which is fantastic. Um, And I do think, you know, it's such a unique field, uh, the guide dog organization. I kind of feel like people get super protective and are diehard for their school or organization, similar to that of like a sports team. Uh, But at the end of the day, right, we're all out there serving individuals and, and the hope is that everybody is traveling independently. Um, and getting the services that they need. And I always talk about this, but I find it so fascinating. And I love that we really work with other guide dog organizations. We will refer other, you know, people to another organization if we're not the best fit or they have a a program that's going to fit their needs a little bit better. And I know other guide dog organizations do the same and refer to us. We certainly, you know, when we go to conferences, we get together, we try to share ideas and things that we're working on because there are just still always going to be people out there that need help and that need these services. And so it is a really unique field, but there are definitely, I get like, you know, your, your, your team, if you will, (laughs) your organization. Well, and you know, we, we respect and we realize that that different organizations are going to have different philosophies and different views about blindness in general and about guide dogs specifically. Um, there are some die, die hard guide dog users who uh, the only thing they're concerned with is ownership. That's all they want. Mm-hmm. They just want to be able to own their dog and they feel that all guide dog training programs should offer ownership um, of, of the dog, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I take a, a slightly uh, more lax viewpoint on, you know, yeah, if the school offers it, it would be nice. But I also am uh, cognizant of the fact that maybe if a school does not offer ownership, maybe they offer something else that could help me better. Like, you know, they might uh, be more uh, able or willing to pay for an emergency vet bill. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, if, if I'm the sole owner of that dog, then that vet bill is solely on my responsibility and I may not have the funds or the capability of paying for something like that. So, you know, we always try to put that out there, that there's pros and cons to everything. Um, you know, and, and ultimately the, really the only thing that we ask for from all organizations, whether they're guide dog organizations or not is, uh, respect and treat Mm -hmm. people with dignity. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic. How did NAGDU originally form within the NFB? So NAGDU formed in the late 80s, um, and 
you know, as a general rule, when a when a division um, is formed with with an organization, um, despite the name, um, you know, it's it's about trying to keep people together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but the division is really more to focus on, uh, you know, certain certain category, uh, you know, subcategory, if you will, of the organization itself. So, you know, every everyone in NAGDU, especially on on the board of directors, um, is blind. And, you know, specifically the president and vice president not only have to be blind, but also have to be guide dog users. Okay. Um, and we we have that written into our NAGDU constitution because we want um, the leadership of the division to be uh, to be ran by someone who is a guide dog user, um, not just by someone who, you know, no offense to sighted people, but if a sighted person runs an organization, how do we know that they have the blind person or the guide dog user's best interest in mind, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to education and advocacy? Um, that is one of the reasons why we are the National Federation of the Blind, not for the blind. And right. that's, you know, that's a huge distinction. So, you know, so NAGDU was formed in the in the late 80s um, because there were, um, you know, issues that were, uh, you know, very important at the time that were specific to guide dog users. Right around that time was when the Air Carrier Access Act um, had been uh, newly formed. Um, if my history is correct, I want to say that that's, you know, sometime in the like the mid 80s. Um, and, you know, this was before the ADA, you know, so, um, you know, rights of guide dog users were not recognized qu- quite in the same way as they are now. Um, and so we saw um, a need for uh, there to be a specific division. And then, you know, we've basically carried on since um, with specific work as it pertains to uh, guide dog users. That's incredible. And I love all the work that you guys have done. And I think it's just such an important organization and a piece of the NFB. And so you said you've been the president since 2020? Correct. So how did you get into this role? And then and what happens after? How long are you in this role? So I'm in the role as long as our membership keeps voting for me. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, we... You know, I always tell people, you know, this it's not a popularity contest. It's, you know, it's not about your friends. So if, if the membership feels that, you know, that a, a new leadership is in order, um, you know, that they should vote for new leadership. You know, it may be someone that that I uh, suggest, you know, my, I might, you know, propose to say, hey, this person is a, is a good one. I'm, I'm yielding. I'm, I may not be running again, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be something or maybe somebody runs against me and, and um, you know, if, if they can do a better job, um, more power to them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm not in this for a title. Um, it is a lot of work. Um, the way I the way I joined um, kind of starts back in the uh, early 90s when I when I got my very first guide dog. Um, it was in uh, late 1992, 93. Um, I, I was still living in Denver. I got my very first guide dog. I was I was 19 years old then. Didn't know what I was doing with life in general, let alone with a guide dog. Um, and, and if I had to do it all over again, yes, I still would get a guide dog, but maybe for me personally, I might wait until I was maybe 22 or 23, um, because of my maturity level at the time. (laughs) Um, but of course you can't, you can't see that when it's happening. This is all, you know, in, in retrospect, um, you know, the benefit of experience, et cetera. That is not to say that, that someone who, who is 16, 17, 18 cannot get a guide dog, um, but it is something that we point out, you know, hey, just be sure you're really ready for this. Um, you know, when I was at that age, my career goals and my life goals were changing, you know, every week. So um, I got involved with the National Federation of the Blind of Colorado. And um, at the time, 
I wasn't really sure if if I really was going to like the organization. They, you know, seemed like a whole bunch of angry people, and um, you know, saw saw them in in the news. How you know they were constantly suing people was was like the the thing. And and other friends that I had that were not part of the NFB, you're like, well, why do you want to be them? They hate guide dog users. They they don't like guide dog users. And I thought, okay, so if that's the case, why is it that in Colorado there's a stipend? Where if you're a, a guide dog user, you can get a stipend to help you with food costs for your dog. And, and it was a grant that was offered by the NFB of Colorado. And I'm thinking, if these people hate guide dogs, why do they have a grant to help us guide dog users? So that didn't make sense. Um, you know, so I did a little more investigating, and I eventually you know, uh, got in with the, with the right crowd. I, I got involved. Um, as a general rule, for, for many years, I was... I was uh, a member in, in various areas, but not in the area of guide dog users. You know, I was a guide dog user, but just not in the division. Um, I knew about the division, et cetera, and, and I would, you know, sometimes attend NAGDU uh, events, et cetera, and kind of saw them grow, but I was really not interested. I was just a blind person with a guide dog, and, you know, uh, I was more interested in computers. I mean, you know, tech training, like, you know, the, like I was mentioned earlier. Uh, fast forward to um, 2015 when I got my current dog. Um, I got my current dog in 2017. Um, I started getting involved a little more just because I was starting to see a, a niche of, you know, hey, there's some ideas that I have that I think would be great for the the division. You know, let me give some feedback and see what they say. Um, and, and in the NFB, a lot of leadership basically says, hey, if you have an idea and you know how to implement it, here you go. The job is yours. <laughs> um, so I, I was voted in as a, as a board of directors member uh, of NAGDU. Um, and then, in, and then eventually, I was um, voted in as vice president. And then, when the former president stepped down, he uh, suggested, you know, that maybe I might make a good president. And the membership um, agreed, voted me in, and so here I am since 2020. And um, so that's been kind of my 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 big um, goal. Isn't right the right term, but my my two big projects uh, with with the division are. Uh, number one, establishing a much more positive rapport and connection with other guide dog training programs. Um, in the past, they have not been the best. Um, so that's that's one. And then two, you know, uh, now it's you know with the rideshare and with the with the traveling part. You know, so we're those those are the two big projects that I'm that I'm handling. And that is a lot to take on. It's a lot of work, and we thank you for all that work you're doing. It's something that I, I'm definitely not doing by myself. Um, being president uh, is one of those things where you uh, you get blamed if something doesn't work right. Um, but um, ultimately, it's a team effort. I have a great board. Um, you know, we have a lawyer on our board um, who is is doing a lot of the who's doing most of the bulk work when it comes to the the legal side of of the rideshare stuff and the, and the uh, Department of Transportation stuff. Um, you know, so we we definitely have uh, people that that have the right qualifications and the quali- qualifications that we need for our current projects. So Raul, somebody wants to join and get involved in the NFB, how do they do that? Best way is um, 
uh, contact NAGDU. Um, so by becoming a NAGDU member, you know, you are becoming a member of the National Federation of the Blind itself, even if you are not a, a, a member of a local chapter or affiliate. So we, we will recognize you as an NFB member. Um, so we have members who are just NAGDU members and, you know, they may not do anything else with the NFB in general. And then we have, um, members who are, you know, part of a local chapter or affiliate or whatever, and then also active with NAGDU. Um, so to do that, um, you can either call or text. Uh, the NAGDU phone number is 346-439-7444. The email address for our board of directors is board at nagdu.org. You can also visit us on the website, nagdu.org, and um, on the on the menu bar, there's a link that says become a member, and you can follow the information there. Uh, the cost is $5 per person per year. And if you become a member basically from now until the end of the year, um, you're recognized for a, as a member for 2024. So we recognize membership as uh, from from January 1 through December 31 with like a open membership season toward the end of, of each year. That's fantastic. Well, we certainly want to thank you and NAGDU and the NFB for all of the work that you guys are doing. Honestly, it's fantastic. The advocacy is so important. And please keep us involved and let us know how we can help and what we can do because we are all about it as well. Definitely. And we're looking forward to, um, you know, to seeing you guys at our at our national convention. Um, it's going to be in Florida uh, next year. So we're looking forward to seeing you guys there and and having you guys um, participate with with our uh, our events. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with host Timothy Cuno and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed learning about Raul and the work NAGDU is doing and the NFB. Please join us next time as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. And if you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.